is writing in his book to um, a, a, a culture and a world that is full of idolatry, right? All kinds of evil in the world, and so things haven't changed a whole lot from then till now. It's just we've got new ways of spreading the evil, right? <laughs> the media and social media and the internet, and it's just everywhere, and it can get any, everywhere real quick, right? doesn't take long for one thing to go viral, and, and people all around the planet. I mean, you think about it back then. You know, they wrote a letter and it went to a church and slowly it spread from there. Now, you put something on the internet and it's gone around the world in seconds. That's crazy. I mean, good can spread that way, but so does evil, right? It spreads very fast. So he's writing to a people who are trapped in idolatry. They're surrounded by it. They're also being persecuted. A guy by the name of Nero is on the move, and he is persecuting Christians. So this is later in Peter's life. He's had a chance to think about what Jesus meant to him in his life as he walked with him, as he was an apostle for him, as, he, as the church began and Peter went out and spread the good news. And now he's later, he's full of wisdom, right? And so he's going to write to people who are Christians but are scattered all around uh, different parts of the world. And he's going to share with them how to be a Christian or how to live the Christian life in a world that isn't. And it's good stuff. It's a great book. I'm excited to begin it today because we're going to just march through Peter. Look with me in chapter 1. The first uh, 12 verses is what we're going to kind of dig into today. Just that first section right there. So verse 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 says this. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the province of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Let's just look at that for a minute. So there's this short introduction, and then Peter's going to dive into some meat, like real quick. He's going to get into stuff. Other letters in the, in the New Testament were written directly to a church like Corinth. This one is, li- is written to Christians just spread out all over the place. Different situations where they are. So this is really relevant to even us right now. Peter, you know, this is Peter. We remember Peter. He's Simon, right? Peter, Simon Peter. You know him, right? He's the author, right? He's the one who wrote some of the New Testament. He's a fisherman. He's a mighty swordsman, as Hope pointed out, right? He's the one who walked on water. This is that Peter. He denied Jesus, Peter, right? Here he says, an apostle. He refers to himself as an apostle of Jesus. Peter, writing a book. Me, Peter, he says, me, Peter, an apostle of Jesus, one who was called, one who saw what Jesus did, and one who was sent by Jesus. And you think about all the things Peter did, and he is full, packed full of experiences and wisdom. So Peter's a good guy to listen to. He says this, to God's elect, right? So chosen according, look at the verses one, one there, to the foreknowledge of God, right? Chosen Chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. Those who uh, were chosen and those who choose God, right? That's the elect. The elect are those who choose God. We already know that God doesn't handpick certain people and the rest are just doomed for hell. We know that, right, because 
Scripture tells us that God so loved the world, that he gave his only son, whoever believes. So we know God is inclusive. Anyone can come to him. But those who come to him and surrender to him become the elect. They become those that God already knew would choose him, right, by his foreknowledge. Right, so, and, and he also adds to that the sanctifying work or the setting apart, the cleaning work of the Holy Spirit in their life, right? That's how we come into a relationship with Jesus, is that the Holy Spirit cleans us up, washes us new, so that we can be holy to God again. And when we do that, we become part of his family. He says called, called not just to follow Jesus or to talk about Jesus or to go to church. He says called to be what? obedient to Jesus, right? It's so important that we are obedient to Jesus, that we are following Jesus, that we're doing what God said through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, that we're honoring God in the way we're living our lives. And he says, and sprinkled with his blood. There's that blood, the power of the blood that sets us apart, that washes us new, that, that cleans us, that cleaning agent of God's son's blood, that sets us apart for him, to be obedient to him. Look what he says. And then he also includes scattered. So he's writing this letter to those that are part of God's family, that are scattered, they're exiled, they're all over the place. They are truly sojourners in the world. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Because that's what, when God sees his church, you know, when God looks down at his church, he doesn't, he doesn't see us as just his church, but he sees us as his people on a mission in a world that has gone the wrong direction. Right? We are truly sojourners and exiles on this planet. We don't belong here. It's not our home. Right? This is not our, our final destination. This is just where we are for now as God uses us to complete his mission. Strangers, he says, strangers. As Christian, Peter says, you guys are strangers, scattered. <laughs> That's pretty crazy, isn't it? Not just strangers in, in the world, but you're strangers. You belong to God and you're scattered. Why would God do that to us? Well, there's a reason, isn't there? See, for a brief time on this earth, we belong to him, and we have an opportunity to impact the world by being scattered all over the place so that the power of God could, could infiltrate every pocket of the world possible. Where you work, where you live, in your neighborhood, you can be the light of Jesus wherever you are scattered around this town or the world. Some in Pontius, some in Galatia, some in Cappadocia, some at LabCorp, some at Elements Hospital, some in Graham, some in Burlington, right? Some in Mebane, some in Saks, Baha, 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 right? Wherever all those places are, yeah? Sam knows what I'm talking about. Where's Sam? Not on the rivers, though, Jake, not on the river. All right, just scattered all over for a reason, for a purpose. Right? Not just scattered by accident. Scattered by God's design and plan. You are right where you are in your little neighborhood because God puts you there. That's what Peter's saying to them. Don't look at your situation as hopeless or aimless. It is a purpose. God has a reason. That's, that's what living in Christ means. So that, that this living hope 
that he's going to talk to us about can spread. Right? That's why you are where you are. So the living hope, this new birth, can spread through you in your little world. That's so cool, isn't it? Right? Verses 3 to 5, look at this. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's good. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. See, he gives this little introduction and then he gives us a glimpse of where this living hope is from and how awesome it is. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Peter understands that the condition of the world is not good. Peter understands that Nero is now burning Christians and blaming Christians and persecuting Christians and killing them by the thousands right now in his time while he's writing this letter. But in it all, he can still say, praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because what we have in Jesus is so much greater than what this world could ever do to you. Right? That this world can't take away what God has given. How awesome is that? Note some key words in this little section. Words like in and through and kept. Look what he says here. In, in, where? In God's great mercy. Not just in God's mercy, but in his great mercy. That's mercy times like a lot. Right? That's his great mercy. In God's great mercy, so much greater than we'll ever realize. In God's great mercy, he has given to you. God has like on a platter. Here it is for anyone. He's given it. He's made it available. He's like said, here it is. I am coming down to you to give you something you could never get on your own. And look what he gives us. In his great mercy, he has given us this new birth into a living hope. That's that, it doesn't get any better than that. Like, this is like greater than the cure for any disease that will ever plague this planet. It, it, however, however, however corrupt or however sick or however, however evil a disease is that we consider to be evil on this planet, sin and the separation from God is greater than any disease we will ever face. And God, in his great mercy, has given to us this new birth into a living hope. We can be free. We can be free from the disease of sin and the result of sin, that eternal punishment that is coming your way without God moving. Right? He's given to us freely because he's so awesome, right? And he just gives. God is a giver. Look what he goes on to say. Through, he gives us this, not just freely, but through a price. And the price is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He didn't rise until he first died. And so Jesus suffered and died for you so that he could conquer death and free us from sin and give us this new birth into this living hope that came through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Wow, that's powerful. That's, that's a heavy price, isn't it? I mean, that's a lot of load on Jesus, that all of our sins were nailed to the cross with Christ. 
I mean, Jesus took that on through the resurrection, right? Look what he says, and into. I mean, this is nothing but good stuff right here. This is, this is so good. And into an inheritance. Not only do you have a new birth and a living hope right now, but now you have into this inheritance, this inheritance with God, this connection with heaven, that you are part of the family of God that can, look what he says, that can never perish or spoil or fade. Wow, nothing can touch that. Nothing can take away from what God has for you. Nothing. Nothing in the world. Nothing in all of eternity. He says this inheritance, look where it is, is kept in heaven for you. That's pretty solid. You know what I mean? That's pretty, that's pretty solid. And look what he says. Who, who, you, you, who are shielded, right? We're protected we are secured by God's power. You know, we put a lot of trust in stuff, don't we? I mean, we put a lot of trust in our bank accounts, in our investments, in our properties. You know, we found out Facebook can't be trusted. Don't trust Facebook. You know, people are so crazy. People share everything about themselves to the world, don't they? I mean, everything about every place they're at, every pic they take, there it goes on Facebook for the world to see. I mean, we don't realize that we're just, we're just oh, exposing ourselves to anything out there. We trust stuff, though. We all do. We trust things. We trust maybe our retirement, and we trust our investments. We trust things. But nothing can be trusted more than the shielding that you have, the protection that you have that's secured by the power of God through what? Through your faith. And that faith is what connects you to the power of God. Your faith in Jesus, living faith in Christ. Not just a, a, an intellectual, I believe in God, but a life of surrender to him, right? There's a big difference between believing in God and surrendering to God, right? Living your life for God, letting God have full control and every day trying more and more for God to be more in you and you to be less in you and you to walk truly by the Spirit of God that is living in you. Peter is calling God's people to go all in 100% and put their trust and faith not in money, not in riches, not in Nero, not in the government, not in any worldly system, but in the power of God. That's the only place you're safe. It's the only place you're safe. Your, your soul is safe in the hands of God. And he says this, look what he says, until, all oh, this is so awesome, it's so good, this is like more and more goodness of heaven to you, until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last times. That is so amazing. Like all this is yours now, and it's yours all the way to the end and beyond. I mean, that is unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, what else would we want to put our trust in? What else would we want to fall head over heels for? Right? This, this living hope, this new birth, has this final move of God. And the final move of God is when Christ returns. 
right? And it's, and it's over. Time has come to an end. This salvation, he says, that is ready to be revealed in the last times. Well, we're living it. We're in it. And one day, God's going to say now, and time will be no more, and Jesus is going to return, and either you're connected to Christ and have life, or you're not. You decide, you're right, we decide. This, this hope, this new birth into this living hope, it's alive, and it's growing, and it's transforming, and it's changing, and it's renewing us, and it's moving in us, right up until the moment God says, it's complete, it's now. And Jesus Christ returns. Where would we be without this living hope? Where would you be? Where would you be without this living hope? Think about it. If you didn't know Jesus, if you never knew him, where would you be? I would venture to say most of us would be in trouble. Right? We would be living without hope. We would just be going through the motions, just following the current of the world as it moves in and out, as it goes here and goes there and goes everywhere. We would have nothing solid to place our feet on without this living hope of Christ. But because we have this new birth into this living hope, we have a solid foundation to stand on and to, to keep everything in check around us based on the knowledge of Christ in us. Right? We have a rock, and we have a hope, and we have an inheritance that is kept for you in heaven. Wow. You can keep your money somewhere in this world. All the gold in the world you can keep somewhere, but it is never going to be as secure as your hope in Christ in heaven. <laughs> That's secure. Nobody's going to break into there. The devil tried, but he can't. Okay? He can't touch it. He can't take it from you. Look at verse 6. Verse 6, he says, in all this, right, in all of this goodness, so he just got done telling us all that we have in Jesus, all of this new birth, this living hope, and all that it kind of means in, in so many words, he says, all, in all of this, all of this goodness, all of this God grace, you greatly, what? What's the word? Rejoice. You know, it's time for the church to rejoice a little, isn't it? I mean, it is time for us to be excited about what God has done for us. That's what Peter's saying. In a world that's falling apart and headed for hell, you have a hope that lifts you above it all. You should rejoice. You should rejoice. There ought to be a smile on your face like 24-7. It doesn't mean everything's good. It just means that you're going to rise above it. You've got the power to conquer anything that comes your way, that this world is a pea compared to the, the hope and the, the inheritance we have in Jesus. This world is nothing. It's tiny. We can celebrate, right? We can rejoice. We can bust out and, and be happy and excited for what God has done for you and all of this that Peter is telling them that they have in Christ. But for some reason, we just can't. For some reason, we don't. Right? For some reason, we think, for some odd reason, that we have to be like solemn all the time. You know, I understand that. You know, growing up in the way I did, I understood reverence. I get it. We need to be reverent. There's a time to be reverent. There's a time to be uh, reflective and humble. But when you think about what Jesus has done for you, when we sing about what Christ has done for us, we better rejoice, right? Because that's good news. That lifts us out of anything else. That lifts us so high, you know? 
We celebrate. Verse 6, he's saying, we celebrate. We celebrate at what he has done for us at this new birth into this living hope. With the trees of the field, we worship our God. This overflowing grace ignites our hearts and we can rejoice in him. There's plenty of goodness from God to rejoice in. Find it. We should find it. In all this, he says, then he goes on to say, don't be fooled. There's lots to rejoice about, and God's goodness is awesome, and the inheritance is secure, and all that is great and true. And you can bank on it and stand on it, but don't be fooled. He says, next, this living hope comes with a warning. Don't be fooled. Don't just walk around thinking everything's wonderful and great, because we know it isn't. This hope comes with a warning. Yes, it is by grace from heaven. And no, it cannot be earned or bought, but it comes with a target. It comes with a target. When you come into Jesus, you put a target on your back, right? It just naturally comes with you, right? It comes with that faith in Jesus, and the devil has got a bullseye on you. And you've felt the attacks, haven't you? And you know what that's like. When you walk closer to Jesus, you start making decisions to honor God. You start changing your life to line it up with Christ. And the devil is going to be right there. You know it, right? You know it. If he's not attacking you, you're probably just cruising along. If he's attacking you, you're you're doing something. Right? You're doing something to, to aggravate him. And he's not going to let that go unnoticed. He's coming after you. You've got a target on your back when you came into faith, and and he's going to go after you. Bad things come with this warning. And Peter continues, verse 6b, he says this, the end of verse 6, he says, Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Okay, think of who he's writing to again. These are Christians all around the world, many of whom are being persecuted and executed for their faith. And Peter says, you have all of this goodness in Christ. Hang on to it. Your inheritance is good. If they kill you, it's okay. You have hope in Christ forever. You're solid and you're sound in heaven. But though now, for a little while, you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Beware. Beware, right? Beware. Trials. You know trials. Some of the trials that we experience is like when life happens. You know, life just happens the way it happens. You, you go through hardship. You lose your wallet. Things happen, right? We just, it's no fun. Stuff happens to us, right? We get it. But there are other kinds of trials that you're going to suffer because you're a Christian, because you have claimed the name of Jesus and his blood on your life, and the devil is coming after you. Beware. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. You will endure trials for your faith. Verse 7, he says, these have come. These have come. Get this. God has a reason for them. The devil thinks he's after you, but you're going to rise above it in Jesus with the Holy Spirit living in you. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, honor when Jesus Christ is is revealed. Get that. Look at those words again. Just look at those verses. Your faith of greater worth than anything and everything. Your faith is of greater worth than 
anything in the world, then all of the world heaped in a pile given to you, your faith is worth more than it all. All the stars in the universe, your faith is worth more than it all. I mean, that's, that's a, a high value, right? That's a humongous value that God has placed on your faith. You know the MasterCard uh, commercial, tickets to the Super Bowl, $1,200, a cheeseburger and a Coke, $800. <laughs> the value of your, of your faith, priceless, priceless. There is no price that can be placed on your connection to God. Do you get that? Do we get that? I don't think we get that. There is no price. There is no amount of money. There is no amount of fame. There's no amount of like anything that this world has to offer that even begins to compare to the value of your faith and your connection to God. Nothing, nothing comes close. The value of your faith is priceless. And the result or the goal of your faith, look what he says here, the goal of your faith, the result of your faith in the end, what it means is this, praise and glory when Jesus Christ returns. That when Christ sets foot on the earth again, when he comes to this earth and he finds you faithful, no money amount can ever touch that or even come in the way of that. Your connection to him is worth more than anything. And the goal and the, the result of your faith is that Jesus gets the glory and the praise of you because you belong to him and you have remained faithful to the end. See, the target, there's a purpose for the target on your back. You have a target on your back because God wants to use you in a fallen world to stand tall and strong for him in the midst of trials. It's amazing. Verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. How can this even be? How can this even be? That we haven't seen him, we love him, and even though that we don't see him now, we believe in him, and, and, and in that faith we are filled with this inexpressible and this glorious joy in the one that we haven't even seen, but we know is powerfully moving around us. How can that be? Look at verse 9. Or just before that, why, how can this be? Because, because you and I are experiencing the living hope. Because we experience the power of God at work in us. Verse 9, look at this. He says, for you are, this is a beautiful verse, you are, verse 9, you are receiving the end result of your faith. Even, even now, in the midst of this life that you live, as we live in this world and trials come and our faith shines through the trials, you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. What you're going to get at the end, you're already getting now. You're already receiving it, it says. That living hope is working in you now. Wow. This living hope. This, this living hope of God and Christ in us was moving before you arrived here. It was at work before you stepped on the planet. It's moving in and all around us now. 
And it's leading us to salvation even now. That ought to get you pumped up. That ought to get some rejoicing going in your heart. That right now we are already receiving the end result of our faith. The salvation of our souls. God is already at work in us. The end is already written. We're already connected to it. All we have to do is keep walking with Him. Look what he says in verses 10 to 12. Concerning this salvation, the prophets, remember those guys, who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when He predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. Verse 12, It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but they were serving you. Wow. When they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even the angels long to look into these things. What we have, this new birth into this living hope, is so rich It's so deep, it goes all the way back to the beginning of time that God has for you this hope that you have in Him, this new birth, this living hope, this salvation, the mystery, the mystery to the believers of old it was. They spoke of it, they proclaimed of it, they pointed to it, but they never fully understood it because it wasn't completed. Until Christ came. And even the angels longed to look into these things. They searched, the the prophets searched intently. Look what the words say. Searched intently and with the greatest of care, trying to find out what this could mean. That the Spirit of God that was living in them, pointing to the Christ, they they didn't even fully comprehend. But But we do. We're on the other side of it. We get what they said. We get what happened. We get Jesus. We get it all. It was all for you. It was revealed to them that they weren't serving themselves, but they were serving you. They were being used by God, and they were being obedient to God, not for themselves, but for you. That says a lot about us, right? That says a lot about our attitude in walking with Christ. That it isn't about us. That God always is using this generation to help the next. And he's using our generation to help the next. Right? We've got work to do, don't we? Right? We've got some rejoicing to do in the Lord for the next generation because they're, they're lost and they're wandering and they need a Savior. And we have the truth that they need. And we should be doing everything in our power, our ability to share what we know about Jesus with the next generation. We can't drop the ball, right? We cannot drop the ball on that. You and I, and all this work of God, all this work of God, the salvation that was made possible through Jesus, right? The finishing work of the Holy Spirit in your life and through time, this new birth that we have because of what Christ has done in us, this living hope that is ours and available to anyone, was all for us. It's for us. So that God can receive glory and honor in us. And this is why, this is why Peter begins in verse 3 and he says these words. I mean, before he even says all of the goodness 
and all of the grace and all the wonderful things that God has done for us in this living hope before he says that and before he warns them that they have a target on their back because of their faith, before he says any of that, he says this in verse 3, right off the bat. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why does he start with that? Why does Peter start with that in verse 3? I think it's because he knows that no matter what happens, no matter what attack comes at you, even persecution to death, doesn't matter. God wins. God is victorious. And anyone connected to him is also victorious in him. Right? That new birth into a living hope raises you above anything that could ever possibly happen in this world to you. And it puts you already safe and secure in heaven. Where you are already receiving the salvation of your soul. That's unbelievable. That's incredible. Right? That makes everything of this world seem so tiny and so small. Peter's saying in a world of darkness and in a world of destruction and in a world of brokenness, in Jesus and only through Jesus, we have a new birth into a living hope. And for that, it's worth rejoicing. Amen.